This podcast may contain inaccurate information, bad language, and spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not by offering actual advice, (laughs) no sir, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And while we can't guarantee we'll solve a single problem at all, at least you'll be left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy. My name is Liam. I'm an amateur musician and occasional listener of albums. I have Aaron, our languid literary liaison. Every time I say that, it gets a bit more jarbled. (laughs) And Carl, our magnificent movie maverick. Here with me in our season two podcasting retreat in an undisclosed location. (laughs) Just in case someone finds us in the past. (laughs) We need to move the island. (laughs) Say hello, gentlemen. All right. Hello. So, now we're established in our second series, I think we need to make a bit of a decision. And Yes. I vote Liam out. Do you? No. It's been good, Liam. No, but not an goodbye. arbitrary decision. <laughs> oh. Well, Marina had her diamonds, right? Gaga has her little monsters. Rihanna has her navy. Little Mix have the mixers. I didn't know any of that. They're by not the little way. mixers. I didn't know that Justin these has diseases? these believers. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we've got regular, at least 10 listeners, what do we want to call them? Well, the obvious one's Agony Artists, but meh. It's a bit meh, isn't it? I had a few on that theme, so I was thinking Agonistas, maybe? Or Agonies? Two bourgeois. Two E's. Or even The Agonizers. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it sounds a bit bit bad, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, because we include Agony in all of them, it just makes it all sound a bit miserable, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that the people who write in aren't miserable? <laughs> they usually <laughs> are, are pretty they? miserable, yeah. yeah. But they're also trivial or fictional, so... The trivia? What about, what about, because we say fictional pickles, what about the pickles? That's the pickles, perfect. That's yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. So thanks, thanks for, for tuning listen. in, Yeah, pickles. thanks for listening, pickles. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I think we've done a great job there. I was... I was going to include a little bit about how we struggled to do that, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think we did. I think we absolutely nailed it for once. Every now, like we sometimes we joke about how little Carl contributes. He doesn't edit <laughs> the episodes. He won't host. <laughs> but every now and then, he just comes up with something and just to keep me in. Yeah, yeah. pays his rent, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I get chased for it for a couple of weeks, but then I always make it up. You know, I will always pay somehow. Brilliant. So before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles sent in by pickles. Pickles! Pickles! And our advice should almost never be followed. After all, as you've just heard, the biggest problem we've had to solve this week was how to refer to our 10 regular listeners. We solved that pretty well, though, to We be did fair. all right. We did now all right, to be fair. So we might be getting better, but still, don't follow our Pop advice. quiz, asshole. <laughs> What's the name of the dog that found the Jules Rimei... 
trophy after it was lost. Pickle. I reckon pickles. Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Didn't know that, but the fact that you asked it immediately after that. <laughs> it was either that or Cromwell, wasn't it? <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> so we're really only here to have fun. And if you're having a real hard time, we'd recommend visiting our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, now we've got that out of the way, let's get on with it. And here's our first problem of the day. I have a friend who seems to be addicted to campaigning. Everything anyone does around her is a microaggression or a toxic behaviour, and every small event has to become an opportunity to go off on some political rant. She actually has a lot of good points, and I agree with half the things she says, but the other half is getting a bit ridiculous. It feels like she can't enjoy life anymore, because she's constantly looking for something to be offended by. How do I make her see that there is life outside of campaigning against social injustice? I mean, I would say, I don't, I don't really think it needs to be said, but just in case there's any doubt, campaigning against social injustice is a very noble thing and I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from doing it. No, I would encourage everyone to do it. We've all got a responsibility, haven't we, to fight for the issues we believe in, fight for the downtrodden and... Yeah. Carl's about to say but <laughs> no, no it wasn't a but it's just uh, when you said fight for what you believe in you, everyone does have that right but then like some people believe in really stupid and horrible shit as well and they have the right to fight for that I suppose but yeah. that we shouldn't encourage well one of the rights we would all fight for is free speech surely and that does require us to permit idiots to, <laughs> to have opinions <laughs> what are you trying to say <laughs> Carl. <laughs> <laughs> this actually, when I read this problem, it did make, it remind me of last year on Instagram. Obviously, last year was 2020. I'm dating us now. You've got <laughs> <It> was, um, <laughs> We're not going to release this till 2025, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> COVID-19 was, you know, still in full swing, really, especially at Christmas. Numbers were very high here in the UK. We were all told to stay indoors. Everyone was on social media, very excited about the new year, saying... Next year is going to be better. You know, we can all, uh, if we all, we're all full of positivity and hope, we can make 2021 much better than 2020. And, you know, that's not bad, is it? Like, no. let people have their hopes and dreams, but no. Someone I followed on Instagram was like, this is toxic positivity. I'm sick of the toxic positivity I'm seeing on Instagram. All these people who are saying next year is going to be better are shoving this in the face of people with anxiety. And I was thinking, I have a lot of issues with anxiety and I haven't been reading this thinking... Can positivity be toxic? Well, according to this person, yes. And (laughs) I have a right to be negative. She went on to post... this, This post was a list of bad things that had happened during 2020 as a reminder for the people who have anxiety to make them feel better about not feeling that good about 2021. What? As if people with intense anxiety need to be reminded of all the bad things that have happened. (laughs) As if that will help their anxiety. And that is one of the posts. That's one example of something that I read and I just think that is ridiculous. You are looking for something to be outraged about there. People are trying to be positive and you're trying, literally trying to bring them down in the name of campaigning against... Toxic behaviour. People Uh, against positivity. (laughs) Yeah. And it takes away from real issues, like real issues that, as we say, that should be campaigned about. 
they're diluted a little bit by these ridiculous things this that is people f- add to it, aren't they? This but is faux outrage, isn't mm. it? Oh, we need to think of a name, don't we? Kyle. Who's called Kyle? Kyle. Yeah. As Pick in Kyle? Jeremy Kyle. No, as in Kyle from South Park. That's just- I thought you meant as in Pickyle. Pickyle. <laughs> what? Trivial and oh, or fictional Pickyles. Pick <laughs> <laughs> um, I think your friend, Kyle, might be a little bit too obsessed with social media, as a lot of people are. It's an addiction, isn't it? It's a widespread addiction. And sometimes social media can feel like it's sorted into these little groups, little echo chambers that we get into that they all start shouting at each other about the issue they think is most important. And if you disagree with even a tiny little minor point in their argument, then they just ostracize you. They cut you off. You're not one of us. And it's it's all getting... And this is what contributes to all the polarization of politics and stuff. It's this intense belief that you have to believe exactly what I believe down to the last point, or you're not one of us. You're one of them, and it's us versus them. And that... The novel that that brought to mind for me was Lord of the Flies by William Golding. Oh, cracker. Yes, I love this book. Um, it's based on Lost, isn't it? Based on Lost, <laughs> the 2004 documentary. <laughs> <laughs> A group of small boys are deserted on an island in the Pacific. Oh my God, it is based on Lost. <laughs> <laughs> and survive by forming little tribes with these extreme rules and these barbaric punishments for like stepping out of line. And maybe your friend, Kyle, is scared of being the social media equivalent of Piggy or Simon, who are both killed by this feral tribe of boys for being different and not fitting in. Just a little interesting side fact, Stephen King's fictional town, Castle Rock, which appears in a few of his novels, takes its name from this book. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's where they... That's like the base, isn't it? Or... Mm. So maybe your friend, Carl, is just scared of breaking away from this tribe, this social media rabid tribe, and is scared that they'll be ostracised if they don't campaign about everything they see on social media. And if they are, I would also recommend watching The Social Dilemma. And I'm sorry if Mm. I'm stepping on your toes there, Carl, but it's it's an alarming look at Mm. social media and the polarisation that it causes. Just before we move on to one of you, I just want to mention... Tim Minchin does a good bit about this in his shows about how we're all entering this age of tiny little cliques. Like, even you can't just be a liberal person. There's also a tiny little cliques within there of these people believe this but not that and these people believe this but not that and they don't quite align so they can't be friends. As I say, it's us versus them and if you don't believe exactly what I believe, you're out of my group. And I just think that's so dangerous. There has to be nuance, doesn't there? Mm. Like, you might not believe exactly what I believe, but if the gist is the same, then we're on the same side, essentially, aren't we? There's just We've just got to hash out the details. Yeah. You reminded me very much of um, John Stuart Mill's book On Liberty, 19th century philosopher. He argues for free speech. What he says is basically, if you don't debate, how do you know you're wrong? If you don't listen to what other people got to say, then you can't be educated. Mm. And um, But to be precise... Individuals are more likely to abandon erroneous beliefs if they're engaged in an open exchange of ideas. By forcing other individuals to re-examine and reaffirm their beliefs in the process of debate, these beliefs are kept from declining into mere dogma. So you you can't... Echo chamber is very dangerous. If you only hear what you want to hear, you're never going to find out that you're actually wrong, if you are wrong. Mm. 
Thanks. I've recently had it cut, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of a, of a Paramore song from the third track of their fourth self-titled 2013 album, and the song's called Grow Up. And there's a bit that goes, stood in line for so long just to pick it, something I will never understand. Aren't you tired of always being mad at the world? Won't you just admit you don't care? And I think that comes across as a little harsh, but also I think in essence, it's kind of about not kind of not kind of wallow, wallowing in these things and, and like taking real action instead. So I was thinking about examples of where other artists have done this in the past. And one really, really good example, I think, is Rage Against the Machine. So I was, I was a big fan of Rage Against the Machine in my younger years. Did you know they had a bit of a resurgence recently as well? Um, because a lot of their lyrics about kind of inequality are obviously still very relevant today. So like 2019, I think, 2020, there was a point where a lot of their albums made it back into like the album charts because everyone was listening to them, getting angry. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Exactly. Um, and here's, a, here's an example from Take the Power Back, which is the third track on their self-titled debut album. Zach Delarosha, the lead singer, raps... The present curriculum, I put my fist in them. Eurocentric, every last one of them. See right through your red, white and blue disguise. With lecture, I puncture the structure of lies. And later... Very nice. Thank you. (laughs) And later he says, One-sided stories for years and years and years. I'm inferior. Who's inferior? Yeah, we need to check the interior of the system that cares about only one culture. And that is why we're going to take the power back. Maybe you should read the next problem. In Zach De La Rocha's rap voice. Yeah, okay. Dear Anthony York! So yeah, and, and he was rapping about all this very topical stuff now, way back in 1992. And Rage Against the Machine continued to spread their message in their four studio albums until 2000, when he finally left the band and the rest of them continued under a different name. Pop Quiz. Audio, Audio Slave. Slave. Very good. <laughs> Proud of you, Carl. I didn't think you'd know that. <laughs> it's like a fact... I learned at school from you <laughs> when I was like 13 and I've always remembered it. But yeah, and, and Radio Sophia have, have actually done quite a lot of good with their commercial success as well. Many of their tour earnings have gone to various charities. Do you remember in 2009 when they did the Killing in the Name Get to Christmas number one thing? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I bought it for that reason as well. The proceeds of that were given to the homeless charity Shelter. Who did he keep off number one? It was an X Factor song, uh, wasn't Joe it? McKeldry. Joe McKeldry. Yeah. Poor Joe McKeldry though. You know. <laughs> like guaranteed number one. Lost a one horse race, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> they also subsequently played a free gig in Finsbury Park as a thank you to the UK fans who supported the campaign. Yeah, I went I to that. I wasn't Did you? Mm. Well, why didn't it's I good. go? Uh, I went with the other Carl. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. The Carl from your primary school. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> As with all of these kind of political minded types who reach commercial fame, they have been accused of being hypocrites. Like Chumbawamba. Exactly. Sell out. And it's funny you should say that because they take the same stance as Chumbawamba. Do you remember what Chumbawamba's stance on it was? We were offered a platform to shout our views on, so we took it. It's exactly what what, um, Tom Morello, the guitarist, and Zach LaRoche said. I don't think we discussed this during the Chumbawamba chat, but I agree with that stance. The Chumbawamba chat, I like that. (laughs) Do you remember the Chumbawamba chat? (laughs) Where were you during the Chumbawamba chat? Um... If they hadn't got famous, we wouldn't, A, have heard their views on those topics, and B, we wouldn't have anyone to criticise with that argument. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I've lost myself in my own argument. <laughs> I do think it's a little bit ironic, though, because... I Alanis listen- Morissette. Exactly. Don't you think? <laughs> There's 10,000 spoons, and all we needed was a knife. <laughs> it's a bit like rain on your wedding day, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit like that. No, because, like I said, I was a, a big fan of them in my younger years, and at the time, I really had no meaningful idea what they were talking about at all. I was just sitting there like... This is really funky rock music. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'm in a minority of idiots, but I think quite a lot of fans are probably like that, where they don't really know what he's talking about. Maybe you're an American idiot. Maybe I am. Another political song. <laughs> the issue is, though, you go into music. I'm sure most go into music and they want to make it, right? They don't just do it as a, like, as a side hobby for their political message. Yeah. They no, want to exactly. be successful musicians. So you can't criticise people for becoming big. And saying they sold out. Well, I disagree with you, Carl. And for that reason, I'm never talking to you again. Well, I'm sitting on this side of the desk. You sit on that side. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Anyway, point is, you could encourage a friend to join a rap rock metal band. And then she can spread her message to a much wider audience. How many rap, rap rock political groups are there? I think Run the Jewels probably come come under that umbrella, don't they? Have you ever listened to Run the Jewels? I listened to about two songs off of the album you recommended in season one. I think it's great. Very early example of this is 1999, South Park the movie, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which is a joke I didn't get when I first watched it as a child. Yeah, a lot of those things go over kids' heads, don't they? Like fractured but whole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bigger, Longer and Uncut. Oh, like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't make that connection either until just, we just now. <laughs> yeah, we just saw that click. We did, yeah. Like... We witnessed the revelation. <laughs> so we all know the story. The boys sneak into the Terence and Philip movie and are in- introduced to swearing for the first time. And that launches an epidemic of swearing around South Park. The kids are doing it everywhere, even in school. And it prompts two movements. The first one is the Blame Canada movement led by Carl's mum. So... She blames Terence and Philip directly and then Canada for producing Terence and Philip, where they're from, for introducing swearing to South Park and America. That's one camp. And then the other camp is La Resistance, led by the children who want to fight against the Blame Canada movement and reinstate Terence and Philip, who, where the film becomes banned. I think Canadians become banned in America as well. So you've got two opposing groups that are fighting it out. Oh, is that where Brian Adams comes into it? In a second. Um, <laughs> Kyle's mum manages to get Terence and Philip sentenced to death publicly. And at the at the hearing, or the sentencing, the a Canadian ambassador, um, they say to him, this is not the first terrible thing that's come out of Canada. Let us not forget Brian Adams. He goes, the Canadian government have apologised for Brian Adams on many occasions. <laughs> but we love you, Brian Adams. So they're going to get uh, executed at the kind of a military show in front of loads of uh, of the army. And the kid's job is to try and save them, obviously. And there's a side plot, is that if Canadian blood is spilt on American soil, it will allow Satan and Saddam Hussein to rise from hell and take over the earth. So this is how far you can come with being very militant in your views. You know, you might think you're fighting for a truth or a cause, but you don't really know what the unintended consequences are. And in this case... You might... Bring Satan out of hell. And Saddam Hussein. Um, the rise of... I completely agree with both of you. The rise of social awareness is a really great thing. But I think militancy undermines the power of the message and creates a camp. And it can lead to the apocalypse, as in this case. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, probably my biggest fear, is that all this social media posting will bring Satan out of hell <laughs> to destroy us all. Maybe he's already here. 
<laughs> yeah, so we've all given sort of the same sort of warning advice, but we should probably reiterate really that there are causes that absolutely need to be campaigned about. And it is sort of our duty as um, socially aware people to challenge views we don't agree with. And if your friend is just doing that, and Kyle, you're, I don't know, saying things that make your friend just argue with you because they don't agree with you, that's their right. As we've discussed, we need to debate these things. You need to challenge people's views, I think, when you don't agree with them, because how will they find out they're wrong? How will you find out you're wrong? There needs to be debate for us to have a successful society. Well, I think we've uh, got a little bit serious there, but I think we... uh... Yeah, this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. Can we lift it up a little bit? Someone burp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Break wind. That will (laughs) break the ice. A ranger came a-ranging to Old Town one fine day. The townsfolk came to meet him. They heard what he had to say. He said, I hear this town's got problems. Some outlaws on the run. And I've come to solve these problems. With my problem gun. Word soon got to these outlaws about a ranger new in town. And they soon came out of hiding to put this ranger down. They laughed when they first saw him beneath the high noon sun. But he soon stopped them from laughing with his problem gun. Problem gun. Problem gun. Yeah, the ranger solved their problems with his problem gun. I think I think problem two would probably bring a bit more levity to the situation, um, especially when I perform it as requested in the voice of Zach De La Rocha. So here we go. My boss talks exclusively in business speak. He's always leveraging this and touching base with that. When you actually decipher his sentences, you realize that they mean nothing. He can talk for a full hour and say nothing at all. I don't want to tell him to take his job and shove it. I think Zach De La Rocha would want to tell him to take his job and shove it, to be That's fair. That's true, yeah. But anyway. But it's getting so infuriating that I might be forced to. Can you help me build up a coping strategy before I explode in the office? I think he exploded right in his problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Liam. Um, that was really good. I've noticed, though, that when you do a voice, you start shouting. <laughs> no matter what the voice is. No matter what the voice is. It has to be. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think there's a single Rage Against the Machine song in which Zach doesn't shout. Liam, can you do the Queen? Yeah. <laughs> the Queen. I'm the Queen! <laughs> <laughs> I hate this management speak thing, though. I The worst one for me is... Uh, saying myself when it's me the word should be me like I don't know you're on a conference call and you're dishing out work like Carl if you work offline with myself we'll get that sorted no it's not myself it's me it's one of those things that is it's like um, contagious someone said it (laughs) once and now everyone does it you know what I mean yeah my biggest English pet peeve and this isn't really business speak but I've noticed it a lot is when people say oftentimes because like just say often, <laughs> right? often if, if you want to be pretentious you can say oft 
but oftentimes just lengthens it so much. Why are you saying that? I think you're mad. <laughs> I, I think you've gone crazy. You you've say, gone mad with power. Do you say oftentimes a lot? <laughs> oftentimes I do. Office politics is brilliant though, isn't it? Like um, the way emails are now drafted to have hidden meanings like if you really mean something, there's no hi, no hello, no ha- yeah. hope you're well. Well, you say hope you're well no matter what, right? Hope you're well. I don't really care, but hope you're well. <laughs> yeah, moving on. But yeah, just the name, Aaron. Have you done this yet? I know you haven't done it, you fucking prick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chasing you. Or when someone asks you a question, you've already answered in the email below that, the one they're replying to, you go, as I said below. As per the below, <laughs> yeah. or as per the attached that I did send you. <laughs> And then oh. it's the kind regards as well, like, would you do many thanks? Kind regards? Just regards? <laughs> I put cheers on I put email. cheers. Yeah, it's just in, cheers, Aaron. Yeah, I do a lot of cheers, but... Um, <laughs> if cheers! I, <laughs> I always do kind regards because I like people to know that I regard them kindly. But is it now meaningless? Everyone kind... You, you offer kind regards all over the show, all day, every day. Sometimes I'll All say, you're doing is regarding people kindly, Liam. Sometimes I'll say best regards. In Spain... They end an email, un abrazo, which sounds Italian. Or, what does it mean? <laughs> un abrazo. Un abrazo, hugs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and oh. sometimes, un abrazo es best, y besos, hugs and kisses. That's definitely probably not very transferable to British culture, is it? No. Can you imagine I'd, signing off an email with hugs? I have tried it. <laughs> hugs and kisses. <laughs> One of my Spanish colleagues at work, when I was learning Spanish, he would send me emails in Spanish to help me learn. And <laughs> once... He was telling me about this thing that he just didn't understand and he said a phrase, which I won't try in Spanish here, but it translated to, I feel like an octopus in a garage. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what they say as a fish out of water kind of thing. Like I'm in over my head. I don't understand what I'm doing. I feel like an octopus in a garage. (laughs) That is brilliant. (laughs) It's wicked, isn't it? So all this talk of business speak reminded me a little bit of a Pink Floyd song. Are you familiar with Have a Cigar? No, I'm not. Uh, well, just quickly, since we skipped over thinking of a name oh, for yeah. this person, we'll call him Floyd. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so, Have a Cigar is the third track on their massively popular 1975 album, Wish You Were Here. Um, and that whole album is actually considered to be like a critique of the music industry. But Have a Cigar in particular, it focuses on like record label executives who talk a fair bit of business speak themselves and make grandiose promises to artists who are often kind of very naive and kind of believe them. And the song also implies that the executives really have no idea what they're actually talking about. And it's signified in one of the lyrics, which is, the band is quite fantastic. That's really what I think. Oh, and by the way, which one is Pink? As if he <laughs> thinks Pink Floyd is the leader of the band. And apparently that's based on a true story. Someone actually said that to them once. Um, Pink has never been in Pink Floyd, though. <laughs> well, not to your knowledge, maybe. <laughs> I'm coming up and I want to get some money. <laughs> Unfortunately, Pink Floyd don't really offer a solution to the problem. In spite of all of their objections, they actually do a pretty good job of implying that the executive is the real winner. And they say that he's riding the gravy train. So maybe that's the take home at the end of the day. If you can't beat them, perhaps join them. Consider doing, <laughs> you know, taking on some of the business speak yourself and blagging your way to the top. And you might not like it, but you too could end up on the gravy train. It um, would increase the synergy, wouldn't it? definitely (laughs) I would suggest perhaps if you like you can't really challenge if this is your boss 
you can't say, can you shut the fuck up and just talk normally, please? <laughs> um, so you might want to come up with some coping mechanisms. So you could use um, Jim from The Office as an example of, you know, he hates the job because he's so mundane. So the way his way of dealing with it is by pranking and playing jokes on people, particularly Dwight. And a couple of things he's done in the past is um, the classic stationery in jelly. Yeah, maybe we should do a shout out to the original UK office because yeah, you've that, referenced the American one before. I have, yeah. So we can add this to our. Yeah. <laughs> now we're referencing the UK one as well. We are, yeah. <laughs> Would you quickly compare the two? Uh, I prefer the English one because hmm. the American one is a bit more like a sitcom. It become a different beast, didn't it? Yeah. Um, what else do you do? So he pays co workers five dollars each to call Dwight Dwayne for the entire day. <laughs> Um, he hides Andy's cell phone in the ceiling tiles and calls it repeatedly (laughs) he wraps Dwight's he seemingly wraps Dwight's chair and desk and everything on it in wrapping paper and when Dwight sits down he falls through it because he's actually created his desk and chair out of cardboard wrapped that in wrapping paper and hidden his his (laughs) desk and chair somewhere else that's genius I was going to say someone at my work did that once but they didn't do exactly that because they actually only wrapped up the actual desk and stuff. Mm, yeah yeah because doesn't he get furious and whack his hands down on the desk and that collapses as yeah. well <laughs> he sits in a chair and that collapses yeah so there's things you can think about but i think you should stick at it and stay you know he's your boss you can't really tell him off so just these kind of people they come and go and Stuart pearson from the thick of it is a good um, example of that he's described as a walking thought pod um you know he often encourages people to take a couple of turns on the ideas carousel <laughs> You know, when they're coming up, when they're brainstorming, he says um, famously, Aaron, I love the plasmic nature of your data modelling. Yeah, and obviously he takes everyone to a thought camp where they all sit cross-legged, they only talk when they get the ball. You just shout an idea out and (laughs) we all have to say yes and, and you throw the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And, you know, he invents knowledge is porridge. (laughs) <laughs> knowledge is porridge it doesn't even fucking rhyme <laughs> <laughs> so Stuart says a lot of meaningless things which the party machine seems to like but when they get into power he's the first out as they decide they're looking for a man of action and now they need a Malcolm Tucker type and the thought the blue sky thinking isn't what they need anymore when he's sacked he gets um, they tell him you're going to get pickled in the think tank <laughs> Um, but he does go down in a blaze of glory comparing a conservative party to a house renovation destined to fail as it's built on a solid foundation of cunts (laughs) (laughs) so you know if you stayed if you ride it out maybe your Stuart Pearson will go down in a blaze of glory but go down and someone else will come in but would you really want a Malcolm Tucker in there instead that is the thing Mm. Um, there's a quote from a Cormac McCarthy book which is um we don't know what worse luck our bad luck saved us from. <laughs> you might have a bad boss now, but you could have a worse boss. Better, better <laughs> devil you know. Yeah. That's um, a Kylie song. That is a Kylie song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Free song for you there. Didn't even take an hour to prep it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree with Liam. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you as well, Carl. Let's see. <laughs> As I go through my example, I think people speak in like business speak when they're basically incompetent. (laughs) They do it to mask their incompetence. They think that all these long words that they're saying, which are actually meaningless, but they think that they make them sound more professional and intelligent when really 
as we say, it just makes them sound like David Brent or whoever. And an example of an incompetent person is uh, a good one from The Trial by Franz Kafka. Joseph K., the protagonist, he's arrested on his 30th birthday, but not told why he's been arrested and not detained. He's just released and told to await instructions. And things happen, but eventually (laughs) he gets himself a lawyer called Herr Huld, who is totally useless. And the Wikipedia page for this book sums him up quite nicely. He's Kay's pompous and pretentious advocate who provides precious little in the way of action and far too much in the way of anecdote. And how far do you think that goes in helping Joseph escape the charges? That's right. Not very far at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's safe to say that he doesn't walk free because he's got an incompetent lawyer. Now, he probably wishes he had got a competent lawyer, just like you wish that you had a competent boss. But he couldn't do much about it after the ending but unlike you because you still have the freedom to choose whether you stay there so i'm not sure who i agree with am i saying leave your job take this job and shove it or am i you're stealing my uh uh only liam can think that no here's what i'm gonna say right your freedom doesn't depend on your boss's competence like joseph's did in this book you can actually actually take advantage of your boss's incompetence. Wait till he shows a weakness, pounce on it, steal his job. <laughs> How's about that? How's about that then? No, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> let's, just, let's move on. <laughs> I would um, I think it would actually be quite fun to come up with your own jargon to like yeah, challenge you yeah. with and it would, it would love it like you imagine if you're a creative person you can just be like um, you know I think your zodiac of thoughts is a little off kilter here <laughs> and stuff like that you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> and it will be like that's amazing I think we're a bit jar deep in Marmite on this one <laughs> <laughs> let's blow some air through the wind chimes of inspiration guys <laughs> <laughs> take your head out of the oven and don't kill yourself <laughs> You could even, yeah, make ones up that are genuinely meaningless and see if he picks them up and starts using them. Because then it'll be like a joke in the office. Exactly, yeah. I would Um, love that. Someone my mum used to know used to just butcher, like, common phrases. (laughs) She just got them, no, she just got them wrong. Like, it was stuff like, um, it's like banging your head against your head, isn't it? (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but you can't ride it in the derby. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Can you help me with my problem? I think that it might be a long shot. My problem is you see that no one believes that I am not a robot. Executing procedure. Problem solving. On to problem three. Any requests? for a voice on this one <laughs> maybe um it's difficult isn't it coming up with a voice for it's every gonna be problem very difficult yeah. we're gonna time. run out aren't yeah. we? uh maybe it was a silly idea maybe every now and then we'll do a voice but yeah. most we'll do in our own voice for this one liam maybe you should do irish since you've got irish relatives i do have irish relatives i don't want them to be offended actually all right i'll give a, i'll give irish a go there's a lad at work who always says hi to me when we bump into each other at the office And it's always a pleasure talking to him because he's really nice and funny. The problem is, I can never remember his name. He definitely told me it when we met and I wasn't paying attention. 
And now, it's got to the point where it'd be embarrassing to ask for it again. Do I just have to avoid him now? Or should I bite the bullet and just ask? Anyone have this issue? Oh, God, so much. There are a few people at work who say, like, well, back when we were in the office, luckily, <laughs> I haven't seen them for 18 months. But <laughs> no, you've got we... their faces and their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we were in the office, they would see me in the corridor and go, you're right, Aaron. And I'd go, hey. <laughs> All right. I have a, I have and a you habit. you don't even remember their face. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I don't even know you. I've never <laughs> seen you in my life. And yet you know me. I have a habit of kind of not befriending, but like nodding at people that I say you pass people quite a lot. Even if you never talk, I might like nod at them and it gets to a bit. And then imagine doing that for like a year, just nodding at someone and then you're in close quarters. What do you do then? Um, the worst one, though, is my cousin's now husband, then fiance, I think, Um we don't see them that often and they're really nice people. I really, um, we really like seeing them, but I just could not remember his name. We were at a, my nan had like a birthday thing at her house and we were playing like, you know, where you throw a hoop onto a stick, try and get the, my nan said, has anyone got it yet? And he was the only one who'd got it. <laughs> and I just could not remember his name. And he looked like someone I used to know called Phil. So I just went with it. Oh. <laughs> Was it right? Phil has. Everyone went, who's Phil? And oh, no. ever since then, yeah, like, I hated myself for the rest of the day. I wanted to be dead. <laughs> like, just, that was fairly early in the afternoon. And I had a whole afternoon to live through. And I just tried not to speak at all. Did you, <laughs> then, did you save it, though? Were you like, oh, it's just because you look like someone I used to know called Phil? Yeah, but it didn't really make it better. No, <laughs> it doesn't make it better. I've done that a few times. I've done it a few times where I do know their name and I still call them something different. <laughs> Every now and then, though, I think about it. Like, if I'm in the shower, because my mind wanders when I'm in yeah, the shower. Yeah, I do this as well. Yeah. And you get the, and the then, same face yeah, draining feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. Every, my whole body drains mm. and... Like my stomach drops and I go, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did you call him Phil, but you called him Phil McCracken. <laughs> Phil McCracken has. <laughs> How is Phil McCracken doing these days? <laughs> He's all right, you know. <laughs> oh, God, it just makes me... I wish I was dead. <laughs> I've got a solution for you straight away. Uh, well, should we call this person Phil? Yeah, we've got to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Why don't you ask him to email you something, ask for a recommendation? Like, oh, do you know any good restaurants in Madrid? Ah. Oh, that's good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if he's got nothing to do with Madrid and he's never been there? <laughs> so, what about You've got Paris? bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any other cities that you can recommend? Um, but then he might be one of these people that do one-liners and then like, and no sign-off. So, you know, it, but, yeah. you know, it might help. But you'll still have the from. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah you should have the email address, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can try that unless it's just first letter surname. But you know, it's okay. a, it's worth a try. Um, I've got an example when it's got a bit out of hand, like this not remembering naming, getting names wrong kind of issue, and um, it's from a friend's episode, the one with Rachel's date. But it's got is nothing it, to do with Rachel. It's, it's Chandler. Someone calls him something else at his work. I can't remember yeah, what it Toby. is. Toby. Toby. Yeah. yeah. So two thousand and one, uh, the one with Rachel's date. Chandler's been called Toby constantly by a co-worker, Bob. And Ross witnesses this and he challenges and said, you've got to say something. And then Chandler says, as we would all do, it's been far too long. <laughs> I'm Toby to him. Like, mm. I can't say oh, you've been doing it for three years. It's not It's not my name. But it gets a bit complicated when Chandler's boss asks about, asks 
his opinion of adding Bob to the team. And then first, what's running through Chandler's mind is, if he's in the team, he's going to find out I'm not Toby, and it's going to be well awkward. <laughs> so he decides to like slam him and say, no, he's not not a good fit. So I don't want him in the team. Which Chandler's boss tells Bob, says, no, Chan- Chandler, being doesn't, or Chandler being doesn't think you're a good Which fit. Which is quite unprofessional of the boss. Really, really but yeah, it's really bad luck, <laughs> I've got to say. So then um, when Chandler goes back to his office, he finds Bob trashing it. Which is also very unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> You'd get sacked for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he, he he questions, like, what are you doing in Chandler Bing's office, Toby? And he's like, I'm helping you. And then he trashes his own <laughs> office with him, basically. Um, yeah, so, you know, things can escalate if you let these things go on. So uh, it's going to be, if you can't covertly find out the name, like asking him to email you, overhearing a conversation, just stalk him for a while until you hear him talk to someone. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a rational thing. <laughs> <laughs> just ask, but yeah. no, just stalk. Well, <laughs> I would always opt for the trying to find out covertly before biting a bullet and asking yeah, him. Just, it's so embarrassing having to ask, isn't it? But it would probably gain you more exp- uh, respect in the end. Mm. Just saying, I'm so sorry. I know you've told me your name, but I've, it's just totally slipped my mind. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, but that then, would be the best policy, wouldn't it? But you just can't do it. But the, <laughs> the risk of doing something covert is: um, have, you, have you seen the extras episode where like, the makeup artist tries to? She complains about someone not knowing her name, and then asks um, Ricky Gervais's character for a signed picture, and then um, he's like. And he forgot her name as well, but he now can't ask her because she's made a massive. She's like, I've been doing the makeup for three years and don't even know my name. So he says, uh, "Who we're we making out to?" He goes, "Oh, just me. That's fine." He's like, "Okay, and how are you spelling that?" He goes, "Oh, the normal way." <laughs> and it, it's so cringy, but she ends up just realizing he doesn't know her name and storms out. But you'll see. It. So there is a huge risk uh, if you try to like uh, like do it secretly, but. If not, just bite the bullet, be honest, and say, I really like you. You're a great guy. But it's not asking him out, Carl. He just wants to know his name. (laughs) Will you go for dinner with me? And then you can find out his name. Put a reservation under his name. Yeah, would you mind booking the table? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm now married to the guy, and all I wanted to find out was his name. I still don't know. It'll be just on the wedding certificate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you, Thingy McFingy, oh, Phil? Yeah, do you feel? Oh, that's his name, and then just storm out the wedding. I'm going to say that maybe you don't even need to find out, even covertly. Now, I'm in the middle of this book right now. This is the book I'm reading at the moment. It's Tiger Man. I don't believe you. Uh, well, I'll go and show you if you want. <laughs> you got it with you? No, it's at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Tiger Man by Nick Harkaway, and it's set on Mancro. I think that's how it's pronounced i hope so <laughs> it's an island that's so polluted and toxic that it's going to be destroyed for the sake of the planet it's the world's first interventional sacrifice zone and the un have sent representatives to like oversee its transition and the evacuation of all the residents of this island one of whom is lester ferris a former british soldier and he's made a friend on the island who's a young boy who speaks in internet slang epic win and stuff like that Uh, and he's always reading comic books and stuff he's a really sweet kid and Lester obviously has this kind of paternal admiration for him but the problem is that Lester doesn't know his name and he refers to him as Robin I think because he's the Robin to Lester's Batman but he doesn't know his real name and he doesn't even know where he lives or if he has a family this kid just appears next to him every now and then and you know chats with him and stuff but like it is for you, it's too late to ask now. He asks 
around every now and then, like other people. Oh, that kid who hangs around me every now and then. Do you know where he comes from and stuff like that? And hints to people, but as far as I'm at, I am in the book, he hasn't got a straight answer yet. And I don't know if he ever finds out in the book, but the point is that as it stands, he and the boy are just happy to be around each other. He's kind of reaching a point where I am that he's accepting that he doesn't know the kid's name and, you know, that might just be the way it is forever. They just enjoy each other's company. So what I'm going to say is maybe it doesn't matter that you don't know this bloke's name. Just roll with it. Take your time. Say what you say. Don't let anyone get in your way. It's a little too much for him to take. Mm. <laughs> Carl is perplexed. You're my wonder wall. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't it. I like, I like the way he went, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know that one. <laughs> He's back in the room. <laughs> so this, um, this, this problem, Phil, reminds me a lot of a, a song that was released twice. Which you got to roll with it. It was a bit weird. Well done, Carl. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I even said the phrase "roll with it." <laughs> <laughs> this problem reminded me of a uh, a song that was actually released twice, which isn't something I've come across before. Um, maybe I have, but oh, twice by the same artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, there's loads of songs yeah. that have been covered. <laughs> it, was, it was released in. 2007 as a double A side and then released again as a normal single in 2008. Killing in the name. (laughs) Killing in the name, yeah. Killing in the name you don't know. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm talking about the Ting Ting's That's Not My Name, um, which I can't remember. There's only probably only one other Ting Ting's song. (laughs) Yeah, what is it? There's probably only one other Ting Ting song. Shut up and let me go. Hey! That's Not My Name is a song in which the singer tells us of how she is referred to by lots of different names, but none of them are hers. It's, but it's They Call Me, so lots of people call her loads of different names. Mm. It's slightly more serious than uh, Phil's problem. but uh, It's almost like she's not even there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, there's a sixth sense twist, is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all along. Well, she's everyone. <laughs> she's humanity manifested. She's every woman. It's all in her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having strokes? <laughs> the strokes. <laughs> oh, this is like a musical connections show. Yeah, it's a terrible musical connections show. Different <laughs> All while Liam's trying to get on with his point. <laughs> anyway, pop quiz time. This song was famous. Fun fact and a pop quiz all in one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you pushing the boat out. you got to say pop quiz, free. asshole. <laughs> Why do I have to say that? Because it's in speed. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> Pop quiz, asshole. <laughs> um, this song was famously covered in 2008 uh, in a Radio 1 Live Lounge session by... Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal. Rascal. Yes. I'm well impressed with you two today. <laughs> um, we were alive at the same time as you did. We are the same age and have roughly the same cultural <laughs> reference points as you do. <laughs> but yeah, Dizzy's version is great. Did you see Dizzy Rascal on um, Great British Bake Off? No. It was actually really good. So, but yeah, I love Dizzy's version. Uh, some of the lyrics from his one are, they call me blood. They call me rude boy. They call me oi. They call me mate. That's not my name. I feel it's like Dizzy. <laughs> I feel like in Dizzy's version, though, he's like, why is this person calling me mate? Is, is mate that bad? <laughs> yeah, mate's not. I, I think he just needed a, <laughs> a fourth name to end the line, didn't he? <laughs> um, his real name's Dylan. I do quite like it though. That's his name. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> no one calls me Dylan. <laughs> they all call me Dizzy. 
Yeah, they call me Dizzy. That's not my name. <laughs> but I do quite like it because obviously he changed those lyrics, but the point remains the same, which is that they're calling him all these different names, but still none of them are right. And, it, you know, both of them are so annoyed about it, they recorded the song, presumably. And I think the lesson here is quite No, they definitely simple. did. <laughs> presumably, they must yeah, have recorded it. There's some evidence, I suppose. <laughs> but the lesson here, I think, is quite simple. And it's whatever you do, just don't guess. Because you're going to alienate your new friend. I think you just need to swallow your pride and ask. <laughs> like, the longer you leave it, the worse it's going to get. So get it out of the way now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that probably is the most sensible advice, but it's just the hardest advice I to I don't know, because I it? think the worry is that they'll be so offended that you've gone that long without, like, not knowing. Yeah. Do you know, like... Because I think about it from the other angle. If someone you have spoke to fairly regularly, mm. but only like at the coffee machine or whatever, they're not your actual friend. They're just someone you speak to every now and then. Yeah. Would you be that offended if they said, sorry, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten your name? No. But is names all, are names always important? Um, it doesn't change the way you're behaving with them. It's changing the way you're behaving because you're worried about not knowing the name. Yeah. But like, if you just carry it on. It does if you need to tell him that... I'm dying. The building's about to collapse I need on my top EpiPen. of his head. Yeah. <laughs> I need my EpiPen and the building's collapsing on top of your head, Phil. <laughs> and he doesn't answer because his name's not Phil. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So if we're in an emergency situation, this person needs to know his co You could go for name. all the names. Say, could anyone name this stand up? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the consensus is, is that horrible it's going to be, you should probably just ask him. Get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. So... Before we forget, Aaron, what's the one piece of art that you recommend from today's episode? Oh, shit. I've got to remind myself of what I've actually recommended this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love Lord of the Flies, but I'm really enjoying Tiger Man by Nick Harkaway. So I'm going to say Tiger Man Where by Nick Tiger Harkaway. Man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're cracking out the classic literature today with the... <laughs> no, Tiger Man's fairly modern. Fair I think enough. it's within the last 10 years. Carl, what about you? I'm going to say um, try and pick up the thick of it as a great light-hearted mm. watch, although it's not on a streaming service at the moment. So. Uh, well, it's on BritBox, I think. I think that's why they've taken it off Netflix. But who's got BritBox? To, yeah, exactly, really? to promote yeah. BritBox instead. Yeah, but yeah, but, um, yeah catch it because it's extremely funny. And I think I would say... I think I'm going to give two, uh, and I'll tell you why, because the first one is, is really quite serious, and you might not be in the mood for it. That's You want... The challenge of promoting one <laughs> favourite bit of it art from this episode. Well, so you decide to choose two. Hear me out. Because right. <laughs> the first one is Take the Power Back by Rage Against the Machine. It's a, it's a great song and there's some really good lyrics in it. Um, and so I'd recommend listening to it and, and also like looking into the lyrics and thinking about it as well. Um, but if that seems a bit too serious for you, then you might want to consider listening to Dizzy Rascal's cover of That's Not My Name because that's pretty good. So, I think that's all we got time for today. So, as always, check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for links to the Agony Art Spotify playlists where you can listen to all of the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts, that's at Agony Art Podcast, or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Carl. Thank you You're welcome. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. And we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Catch you on the flip side.
Oh, so well. <laughs> oh, do I got me? Sorry. But I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all, not here, but Agony Art, Agony Art, Agony 